Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Why don't we start with um, introductions? What's your name? Where are you from? Why are you coming today? Uh, Vanessa. Hold on, I'm a door person here. Um, my name is Vanessa, and I am here. Why am I here? <laughs> I'm here to be your door person, but also um, to learn more about this awesome thing that we're all building together and to create, to be part of the place that we create. Um, I want transparency. And so that's why I'm here because this is like a clearinghouse for information on how refuge is being built and it allows things. I, I'm listening from the horse's mouth on how things should go. I don't know. I'm here to form the utopia. Thank you and welcome, Andy. Hi, my name's Andy. Um, I've been coming to Refuge for just over a year and it's helped me tremendously. It's opened many different doors in my life and I'm here to, um, I'd like to be more of service um, within Refuge and also in my life. So. I'm here to learn and to uh, share. Welcome, George. Yes, uh, thank you for having me, uh, George, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I see a few familiar faces. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Matt. Um, I'm here to learn. Also, uh, I am new to this Q and A. Um, been coming to Refuge for maybe nine, 10 months, but um, I've been seven years off of all mind mood altering substances. I've been practicing Zen Buddhism for about 12, 12 13 years. So uh, refuge recovery is a pretty good fit for me, or at least it seems that way right now. So I really appreciate here meeting all of you and just learning as much as I can and being of service. Welcome. We are uh, introducing ourselves, where we're from, and what brings us to the Q&A tonight. Jeff Camozzi, your turn. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Sorry, I'm a couple minutes behind. Um, just wanted to see what's happening, actually. I might have a question that's already uh, going to be asked. So um, if it's not, I'll, I'll chime in. Welcome. Uh, Joe, Joe Alley. Hi, Joelle here, and um, I'm from Sonoma, California, and I'm about almost five months in coming to refuge, and I am here to learn, and I have um, a few more service commitments, and I just want to make sure that I understand what's going on, so that's why I'm here. Welcome. Thank you. Cato. 
Hey, Noah. Hey, everybody. I'm Cato in uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, let's see, I'm here because we started a new face-to-face -face meeting in Oklahoma City, and we've had two meetings so far, and then I'm working on doing some uh, H&I in Oklahoma City as well. Did you talk to that guy in Tulsa that's trying to get a meeting going? Yeah, yeah, I did. We're there's a couple places. There's a pretty... Uh, I've only been in, well, hell, I've only been sober nine months, but uh, yeah, there's a good community here and there's some stuff happening. Great. Welcome. Uh, Carrie, we're just introducing ourselves, where we're from. Cool, cool. Hey, y'all. Um, K.E. K.E. here. Um, yeah, I, I usually have the pronunciations of my name because of the background of my name, but that's okay. I'll do that later. I'm here from um, South Florida, state of Florida, also known as um, Seminole Territory. Um, glad to be here. Um, I'm a group rep for East Coast Harmony, and I don't necessarily have anything in mind I wanna bring up, but I'm more than willing to just sit down and just absorb some knowledge and perhaps, you know, just experience it all and just um, keep on learning, yeah. Welcome and sorry about mispronouncing your name. Um, where are we? Julie. Hi, it's Julie from West Sonoma County. Good to see you all. Um, I'm the secretary for the Thursday night uh, San Francisco-based meeting and happy to be here. Hopefully you won't hear too much piano music from my little one in the background. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Des. Des G, you wanna check in? Tell us where you're coming from. We'll keep it moving. We can't hear you, Des. Um, Lawrence. Howdy, folks. I'm Lawrence. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. I'm down at the beach now in uh, Emerald Isle with some family. Um, I'm a group rep on the East Coast Monday morning group, Rise and Shine. And we did have a specific question we've been going back and forth with that I was hoping to have answered this evening. So um, just a happy member of the Sangha and good to see some familiar faces. Great, welcome. And Matt C. Hey, no. uh, hey everybody, I'm Matt. I'm coming in from Rhode Island, Greater Providence area. Um, I'm basically, uh, uh, I do a fair amount of service and I'm just trying to stay up to snuff with what the word is. So. Uh, Anybody should ask me any questions. I could give them the most, you know, official answer possible and not uh, know what I'm talking about, basically. Grateful to share this space with you guys. Thanks for hosting these. Absolutely. Welcome. Thanks for coming. And uh, Michelle. Uh, good afternoon or evening. My name is Michelle. I'm in Folsom, California. Uh, I know most of everybody here. So hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> 
It's good to see you all. I'm I'm hold several service positions, and I just want to be a participant at uh, this level of service, and all of that, and you know, create utopia and world domination. And I actually have a question tonight, so get ready. Fantastic. I'll uh, steal myself for your question. And uh, Richard, you're still muted. Okay, thank you, Noah. This is Richard, Santa Rosa, California. Uh, it's good to be here, seeing lots of familiar faces. Uh, I come to these meetings to get um, information so I can pass it along in an authoritative way like Matt was talking about, but also to learn and to um, participate in helping shape the program and the direction that we're all going. Because I feel like uh, I have a few service positions, but I've been doing this for a few years and I'm invested in the success of Refuge. So I want to be a member to help ensure its success and, and helping people. Thanks. Welcome. And uh, Diane Rooney, we're checking in where we're from, why we're showing up. Hi, this showed up on my um, calendar and I'm not sure what I signed up for, but anyway, I'm a nurse and I work and live in Sebastopol, California. And obviously something um, piqued my interest such that I accepted some kind of an invitation, but anyway, you all look pretty friendly. So, oh, I can put my face on too. Um, yeah. Hi. Welcome. Thanks. You've shown always up. open to new experiences and whatever. Sure. Yeah, you've showed up to the um, monthly refuge recovery Q and A with World Services, which is the nonprofit that supports the refuge recovery meetings worldwide, where we kind of talk about business and uh, organizational stuff. So, welcome everybody. Thank you. Um, reminder: This is not a refuge recovery meeting. This is a kind of business meeting on some level or another. It's really a Q&A, a kind of town hall um, that uh, I primarily host and you know, primarily answer the questions. And sometimes I have the answer and sometimes I don't. And, and, um, uh, and Vanessa reminded me that we have some old business from last month um, that she would like to start with. So let's start with old business. Vanessa, go ahead. So these two items went to the board for discussion and I am responsible for keeping those minutes and they aren't as tidy as um, I'm, I, I, I think I got distracted with other work. So I'm sorry, I don't have a verbatim answer, um, <clears throat> but I do know we discussed these. And so um, can, uh, this is a question from several months ago, can a group vote not to have an abstinence requirement for a service position? How much time does a person need to be abstinent? Is 24 hours enough? What did the board say? Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would just like step in and smooth it over there. What did we say on that board meeting? I, um... it, 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 we said like, yeah, it's 24 hours enough, but um, it, it's really like up to the group to decide what they, what they want and 24 hours can be enough. Yep. I believe that's what we came to. I do yeah. too. I, I believe that that's sort of where we're at currently, which is that um, the you know uh, yes, at minimum of twenty four hours, there's suggested requirements: thirty days, ninety days, six months, um, and meetings can have a group conscience to uh, modify those suggestions 
And, but what, what meetings can't do is say, we're going to let someone who's actively using have a, that's have a position uh, or secretary or a, so if you're, if you're not sober, if you're not, you know, actively in recovery, then um, the answer is no, you can't hold a position if you're not maintaining abstinence. Um, if you've recently come in or you were sober and you had a relapse, I, I heard about a um, situation this week, somebody who's secretarying had a relapse, said, I really want to continue. I, I drank one day. I really want to continue. Um, and what should I do? Do I have to give up my commitment? And we said, you know, on some level, yes, you have to give it up, but you can go to the, uh, you know, have a, have a, um, a business meeting and you can ask the group to, you know, say like, hey, now I have six days. I drank last week. I've got six days. Can I continue? And it's up to the group conscience that, that has to be brought to the meeting that there's not going to be a sort of world services that says that's never okay. This is part of the autonomy. World services is going to make the um, some bottom lines. Bottom line is you do have to be sober. Suggested this much time. Um, beyond that autonomy of the group to decide whether they want to adhere to the suggestions. That's my sense. Okay. Uh, the other one, um, what is refuge recovery? What is refuge recovery world services stance on individuals undergoing medicine or medical assisted treatment on holding service positions? If RRWS has no stance, how will having group reps help lead to forming a stance on MAT? Um, and I do remember our discussion on this one, um, but if you want to answer it. Um, sure, and then feel free to chime in if you have a different memory than I do. Um, where we came to with this is uh, that we are going to um, not try to play doctor and that uh, and and not be not not let our personal opinions on western medicine um come into uh the program and so that we're going to kind of say no recreational if it's doctor prescribed including uh medical assisted treatment opiate blockers opiate replacements and abuse, things like that, that, you know, um, that we're not going to come and say like, hey, you can't be on an abuse and a secretary. You can't be on Suboxone and a secretary. You can't. So we're not, we're just not going, we're not going to say no to that as a, uh, as a board of directors, as, as world services. Um, we're going to say, you know, that's between you and your physician, you and your own, you know, uh, abstinence, you and your own program. Um, with the understanding that we all have that people can abuse uh, prescription medication and you know a lot of addicts uh, don't use as prescribed, but um, that our stance is more, you know, if, if your doctor tells you to take it and that's, you know, between you and them, not for us to decide. That's where we're landing on that. So the, the short answer is yes, it's okay for somebody on medically assisted treatment, whether that's suboxone or an abuse, to have a service position as, as such as a secretary, as long um, as it's being used recreationally. And I do, I recall that from World Services stance, but I believe we also said that the group can vote to 
not have people serve in service positions that are on mat. Um, but you said, uh, if I recall correctly, that the group can decide, but no like inter sanghas or higher up, it has to be each individual group until a conference can be elected and have a stance. That's kind of what I recall from it. I would look back at the minutes about that, Vanessa. You could be correct. Um, I don't I was, recall. I don't recall that. It would make okay. sense with our with our stance of like group autonomy, being able to make these decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would make sense. Okay, so we still um, be, the the minutes are not. <laughs> Maybe we'll revisit it again and then I'll keep better notes. It's just been challenging with those many projects is going on. I think I didn't document it as well as I should have. So my apologies to the group. Um, and I have begun, I've begun to work on a statement from World Services about this issue. Um, you know, looking at the third, fourth, and fifth guiding principles around abstinence and um, creating a, a kind of statement from the board, um, but I haven't finished it yet, but eventually that will, they'll, they'll, we'll have something in writing about this. Okay, and I will go back into the minutes and make sure that I drop the ball because sometimes I didn't drop the ball, but I forgot that I didn't drop the ball. <laughs> so I'll go look for that. <laughs> and that's it for old biz. Okay, new business. We have a hand from Richard. If you want to say something, ask something, raise your virtual hand and I'll take them in order. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the, having the floor. I'll try to keep this brief. So that last question raised uh, another question for me about variations on that theme to, for your consideration, like when you put your um, proposal or your uh, statement together, Noah, because we're talking about doctors giving permission to use medication, but what if it's a health professional who's not a doctor? That's one variable. And the other is, what if a person is prescribed by, say, their health professional to use medical marijuana for the treatment of anxiety, or they're microdosing as a way of overcoming trauma, you know, and that's prescribed by a health professional. So those are some variables that I'm kind of thinking uh, will have to be addressed or could be addressed at some point as well, not just doctors prescribing Suboxone. Um, when you say health professionals, you mean um, what, a psychiatrist? No, it could be a chiropractor. Can chiropractors prescribe narcotics? Not narcotics, but they could prescribe microdosing or, or they, could, they could underwrite a, um, a medical marijuana license. Yeah. Yeah, the medical marijuana thing is, 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 I think we have to, it's a tricky issue, um, but I think we have to treat it, you know, the same way as we're treating all of this. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people, before, before weed started to become legal in some states for recreational use, there was, you know, so many recreational users that were going under the uh, medicinal uh, card. I had my card, you know, right? people had their card, medical card. Um, we are not like, if people are going to be recreationally using psychedelics, marijuana, opiates, whatever it is, that's on them. That's between them and their recovery, right? That's not for us to say, hey, you're, you know, uh, just because you have cancer doesn't mean you can smoke weed. <laughs> because you like it too much. 
you know, it's just not on us to kind of come down with that judgment. Um, uh, because, you know, THC, you know, whether it's smoking or edibles or whatever, is actually a great treatment for some of the medical issues that people have. So we got to just, I think, we got to just stay out of the debate, let people find their own way with it. It's so clear that we are an abstinence-based program. We say it over and over and over. So anybody that wants to cheat their own recovery by not really being abstinent while participating in an abstinent-based, you know, abstinent from recreational, I don't think we need to like police that. That's, you know, each person's process of recovery. Does that make sense? Uh, one thing, I, I was referring it to the question that was given that Nessa raised. I thought it had to do with service office p p position holders. That's what I was trying to address. I think, I, I, I feel like what I'm saying stands for that. Like, you know, if somebody is wanting to be a secretary and they're recreate, you know, they're breaking the rules and they're recreationally using, what are we gonna do, right? Like uh, what we wanna do is say, here's our policy. Our policy is you cannot do that and hold a secretary position. Um, and so if somebody wants to say, hey, you know, I'm prescribed, this is, you know, this is medicinal. I don't think that there's a way for us to police it and say like, well, we think it's not medicinal. We think you like it too much. <laughs> you know, part of this came up because early on in Refuge, there was a woman who was really abusing her prescription meds and was secretarying a meeting and was like nodding out, you know? And, and so it wasn't like using it in a, you know, and, and we're like, well, you're not, you know, some people were like, you're not sober. And she's like, I am sober. I just only take, you know, the, my prescriptions. But, you know, she was over-medicated or whatever, um, and to the point where she's like nodding out at meetings. <laughs> and, but it's a dilemma, right? Like if somebody's doctor has over-prescribed them and they're not using it intentionally in a recreational way, who is anybody to say you can't be here? Now, if you can't perform your duties as a secretary, of course, you need to be replaced. Thank and you. It's obvious, you have to be replaced, you know, on some level. But, um, you know, we're peer led and volunteer oriented, and there's no, uh, you know, there's no breathalyzer test at the door. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's all self reporting. It's all, I'm here because I want to be in recovery. And, and when I relapse, I have to tell on myself, um, not kind of, us coming down on people and because we you know you just can't can't control people in that way but uh, i hope that our policies will be strong enough to create the container for abstinence and it being clear that that's what we're doing doing here and i don't know i can't imagine although it does happen i can't imagine why somebody who's not practicing abstinence would want to be a secretary of a meeting but it does happen i guess once in a while I guess it does happen. So I hope that's enough on that one. And let's move on to Michelle. Hello. Uh, I know I asked you this before, but and I warned you I was going to ask you this during this meeting, but it's about the amends making process. In the book, it only talks about it briefly. Like on page 62, it's like, hey, with the support and direction of your mentor, begin making your amends. Now, I know how to make a nine-step amend, but there's no 
real direction from refuge recovery on how to go about that and if the mentor doesn't have any experience with it how can they provide any kind of support or direction so if, would you be able to like give some suggestions on how to go about that yeah um i i love it it's an important issue and it's a whole in the in the um book a little bit you know where i did it in too much of a general way and didn't give much specific guidance about how to do that i don't think it's the only hole in the book and fault in the kind of like um process needs to be clarified i think that rather than me you know just kind of saying it now uh, i think i need to write a little pamphlet on it as i edit the new book i'll be able to the the not the new book but the you know kind of second edition that i'm supposed to be working on um, you know, we can clarify it in the second edition. And in the meantime, um, I think it's worthy of sitting down and writing, writing out rather than just sort of, let me take some time and create a, some suggested approaches to amends. Um, I'm curious if any of the long-term, anybody here that has long-term 12-step, how much in the ninth step in the 12 step process, uh, how clear it is about how to make amends. I know it does say some stuff about staying on our own side of the street and. Um, I mean, my personal experience with it has always been, this is what my sponsor says to do and here's the spiel. And then it kind of goes by that that lineage and there's no real clear direction in the video. I mean, I, I don't remember, I haven't looked at it in so long, you know, in the 12 by 12, there's a whole chapter on the ninth step and making amends. I don't remember how clear the instructions are about how to make amends. Anybody else that's more familiar with, that's looked at the ninth step uh, process from the 12th, Anybody look at that recently? It might be interesting for you to look at Michelle. Um, and you know, not that we're going to do it that way, but you know, it might be just interesting to look at. Um, I, that's part of what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at what they have to say and be like, is that what we want to do? Because amends is not Buddhist. I borrowed amends from the twelve steps. Yeah. There's no amends process in Buddhism, but coming to my own recovery through Buddhism and the 12 steps, I was like, this part of the 12 steps is brilliant. That doesn't really exist in Buddhism. And so, you know, and, and you're hundred percent, I didn't do a good enough job at saying, not only do we need to do this, here's how, here's some ways that it, you know, could be done. I don't, you know, not like the right way and the wrong way, but here's some suggestions and some uh, approaches that have worked for me. I can chime in if you like, no. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, or was it George, was I stepping on your toes? Were you, had your hand raised about a ninth step? Well, you, you go ahead and go first. I, I can chime in afterward, not in a rush. Okay. Um, two things come to mind. I'm, I'm familiar, you know, as you know, with the 12 step program and the nine step process. Um, and with my experience with mentees fairly recently, it was what well, one is what refuge recovery has going for it is the forgiveness process, which the big book doesn't really talk about, you know, we have this internal uh, uh, practice of, of forgiving ourselves, offering forgiveness, asking for forgiveness, of course. Um, but the thing that came up that I thought was kind of interesting recently was about the line in the big book, which says like, you know, except when to do so would injure ourselves or others. 
And we had a really nice discussion about this, um, whether or not like confessing your wrongdoings was selfish or not. If it was something you just needed to get off your chest because it was going to make you feel better without having any, uh, um, you know, insight or care or understanding about what the other side of that might be for the other person. So it was a really interesting conversation that kind of turned into like, yeah, maybe it's better that I, that like my, actually my karma is to have to sort of like chew this up and digest it and offer myself forgiveness and not, you know, hash up old shit with somebody who's, who's moved on. So, uh, I, I, there's some great crossover. There's some stuff in what that refuge recovery can bring to the amends process that, that is void in the, in the 12 steps. It's my piece. Thanks, Jeff. George, go ahead. Uh, thank you. No, actually, chiming in or piggybacking on what Jeff just said, I just think it's such a personal process, and it's so different for, for each person. I, I personally worked several ninth steps, and it was, I just found that going through the process more than once, different things were, were handled in different ways with the guidance of the sponsor. So I think, in, in a way, I don't remember any particular like real drawn out instructions in in any any way uh regarding exactly how to do it and i think it was my opinion purposely left a little bit vague so that there's that kind of open you know um everybody's got to find their own way to do it because yeah i agree with jeff there's a lot of times where i'm doing it and as my intentions become clearer then I can see why I'm actually, what's my intention behind making this amends, whether it's selfish or whether it's, um, I want to get guilt off myself or whether I want to, you know, cause I had some that I couldn't do because of the harm it was going to cause my, my relatives or, so I think it's extremely personal. That's all I was going to say. And maybe it's good to leave it a little, a little open to interpretation. Thank you. So, um, Michelle, you have a wonderful mentor that I'm sure can walk you through this. And for the program as a whole, I will um, at some point, you know, create some more literature and, uh, you know, share some of my views and opinions about it um, and how to go about it. Coming. At some point, right. I do a kind of, um, I've been talking about it for a little while now of doing, a, a, you know, our own 12 by 12, our own refuge recovery, sort of like the eightfold path and the, you know, 11 guiding principles. And this is how we, you know, is, that, is it 10 or 11? 11, 11, I think. So it'll be our eight, it'll be our like eight by 11. <laughs> Um, so, you know, at some point I feel like that would be a useful piece of, of material for people to have that resource. Here's how we do it. Here's what we think about it. All right. I'll check back with you in six months about that then. Yeah. Or, or six years either way. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Lawrence, go ahead. Thank you for your time. Um, a member of our Sangha has written a dedication of merit that has become quite popular in the East Coast morning meetings, but there's been a question of whether or not we should be reading a dedication of merit that's not actually from the book. And so I'm just curious whether or not that is permissible. Um, 
Is there any dedication of merit in the book? So here's the problem. The, there is in the book. Oh, on the website, they're not in the, the website, book. I wrote mine in the book. I, I believe in the book, I say in the format, share the dedication of merit. But I didn't offer one. So this is, this is part of the issue. Is again, it's another hole in the book where I said, do the dedication of merit at the end of the meeting. But then I didn't put any you know, suggestion of how that's done in there. So later we posted it on the website and we said, here's a couple of different simple ways to dedicate merit after a meeting. Um, so technically it would be against the essential elements to read anything that's not from the book or from the website. So there's your answer. It is against the essential elements to do anything in a refuge, read anything in a refuge recovery meeting that's not pretty directly either from the book or the website. Thank you. Yeah. And here's, you know, and this is my, this is such a dilemma for me. I, I got to, you know, most of you maybe know, it's such a dilemma for me because there's so much good stuff that I hate to say like, hey, you can't do that meditation or you can't do that because some of it's amazing and even better than the shit that I put in the book, right? Like better, I believe that. But if we open the door to saying people can do whatever they want, you're gonna get some really terrible shit read at refuge recovery meetings <laughs> that people think is brilliant but that is just going to mislead uh, our community, it's, you know. And so, Lawrence, I, I'd imagine I don't I don't know this one, but I imagine it might be great. But if we say it's okay, it opens the door for someone else to do an offering uh, of merit, you know, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it just opens the door for people to do whatever they want if we start saying like, well, it's cool. Eventually with the group reps, with literature community committees, with the evolution, we will have a process um, of something like that being proposed, going through the group reps, going through, you know, committees, going through and then getting, you know, coming to the World Service Conference in 2030 <laughs> and saying like, hey, Let's vote on this alternative offering of merit that was created on the East Coast in 2020, right? But it's a really long process that eventually we will have to get something like that approved, you know, uh, what do they call it? Conference approved. And we'll, you know, we're, we want to create that, but um, we can't just let it go willy nilly. And this is part of the kind of part of the process, you know, and part of the, the split and, you know, the previous refuge recovery board that did this incredibly harmful move where they said publicly to the mailing list, anybody can do anything and call it refuge recovery. I don't know if, how many of you are aware of that, but that happened like- I'm aware. Like four years ago. <laughs> and- and it just turned refuge recovery meetings into like not refuge recovery. And people showing up to find refuge recovery and getting, you know, stuff that has nothing to do with 
a Buddhist intervention for addiction and a Buddhist treatment process. And so that's why we have to keep it a little bit narrower than I would like. And I, I hope that I hope that part is clear. I feel terrible saying they can't do it, but they can't do it. And you know, please gently, lovingly let people know without shaming them, without you know, because it pisses people off, right? We're a bunch of addicts. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. <laughs> so when you communicate it, do it in as gentle and loving way and um, you know, and send my regrets for not being able to give a thumbs up to it. And then the board's regrets for not being able to say like, yeah, sure. That's cool. That one's good. So yes, um, we got to do it in a slow process and we got to just live with what we have in the book and what's on the site for now. And we will evolve. Now, here's the other thing. I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. Nobody's going to shut the meeting down for continuing to do the wrong dedication of merit. Shouldn't say it, but that's also true. It is a meeting willfully breaking the essential elements of refuge recovery. And... <laughs> you know, it's kind of like being loaded and pretending to be sober, like you're breaking some rules here. <laughs> like, okay. Some people are like, I can live with that. I can live with breaking the essential elements. We're, I'm not going to, you know, start shutting meetings down for something like that. If it's more egregious, you know, if they start reading Chogyam Trungpa in the meetings, I'll say that, that we really can't have that. Not that he's not a great author, he is a great author, but we can't bring practicing alcoholic Dharma teachers literature into a recovery program. Hope that makes sense. Um, Vanessa, jump in. Um, I have a new topic, is that okay? Yep. Okay. Um, is it okay to play recorded meditations from the refuge recovery website at a meeting instead of having someone lead it? Um, well, let's think about any, and uh, anybody else's thinking hat, uh, including yours, Vanessa. Um, is there any way that that is perhaps against uh, one of our guiding principles or um, essential elements? The first thing that comes to my mind is rotating leadership. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Is it, you know, is this, is there any reason why it wouldn't be okay? I, I got to think about this a little bit. I'm open to other people's view. Well, uh, like what I was like, yes, it goes against the, rotating volunteers and rotating leadership but i have heard where someone was in a meeting and it's like two or three participants and like they're they've kind of exhausted their turns and they're like we just want to sit here and meditate and we want to do a refuge recovery approved meditation 
So can we just enjoy this recording? And you know, yeah. But what was the purse? You think it is? You think that? Um, you think that it is against the rotating leadership? That's the only thing that really comes to my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think that like, if someone, I think that if we get into the habit of playing these, you know, because of course, if you have the option of like as a secretary trying to find the volunteer and trying to convince come on you can do it you know it's like it takes a little effort it's so easy just to put on Noah's voice and you know listen everyone take a break but I've had a lot of um benefit from doing the meditations at meetings I'm actually learning how to do it on my own when I'm not in a meeting um from practicing in meetings it gives people service positions uh, I, I just think there's so much benefit to having volunteers. So if we open the door to like, yeah, sure, it's okay to play that recording, then that's gonna. I just like the personal flavor too of of my fellows, like fellow sangha peeps, leading meditations. I get to hear like their personal inflections and stuff. I've recently told a couple of um, new meetings starting. Uh, they had already started. They said we're listening to the guided, you know, meditations from the website. I've, you know, my, I, my kind of response has has said like, eh, it's okay on some level, but really, like, I think it would be better for your sangha if you guys read it to each other rather than listen to it. So I definitely, I, I, you know, like let's encourage. But let's not say, you know, uh, I don't think that it's a, that big of a deal to say, like, you can never do that. Like, with a meeting of three people, fine, go ahead, listen to it. But better not to, really better to peer, really the peer led quality, you know, is, is part of what's brilliant about what we're doing is that you're not listening to a meditation teacher do a guided meditation, you are listening to each other guide each other through the process well and i feel like it's a big deal for a lot of people like a lot of people coming in i've heard um you know they they're kind of reserved or shy and they hear other people do it and it helps their courage and it's just like it's a real cathartic thing for some people to do and after they did it they're like i did it like i i, I let the meditation so I've also heard reported by more than, you know, several people who've said, I never wanted to lead the meditation because I want to meditate. I don't want to be, or I don't want to read it. I want, selfishly, I'm here to meditate. Um, and then when they started to read the meditation, they're like, oh, that was almost better for me. I downloaded the information, the instructions in a way that just listening to it, it's going in one ear and out the other. But when I'm reading it to the group, I'm really learning mindfulness. I'm really learning forgiveness. So there's a way that it's really great for us to be uh, reading it to each other, beneficial for our own recovery. Julie, jump in. Thanks. Um, let me see, I don't know how to take my hand down on this phone. Um, so as I mentioned, um, I got you, Julie. Julie. I did. Oh, thanks. Awesome. 
Okay. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm a secretary on the Thursday night uh, San Francisco meeting. I'm a relatively new secretary. I think I started in September, so it's only been four or five meetings so far. I'm relatively new to Refuge. Um, I think I'm hitting nine months pretty quick here. Um, thank you, thank you. And um, I had an unusual situation a couple of weeks ago. Um, a Sangha member reached out to me to note that someone had read the mocking principles with a, uh, the guiding principles with a mocking tone, sorry. Um, it's a hard situation to discuss actually because it, it wound up being kind of painful. Um, so I was uncertain about what to do with this input from a Sangha member. So I contacted the group rep who has been around a lot longer than me. Um, we discussed it and we decided it's really not that big of a deal. You know, it was one person, um, one comment, let's not worry about it. And, but it turns out that the, a conversation did result between the group rep and the individual who had read the guiding principles. Um, and then uh, we um, all had a conversation about this. The person who um, had read the guiding principles was upset and said that um, he should never have learned about this concern um, that discussing the group rep with him or discussing it with the group rep or with him was oppositional to the guiding principles. Um, I think he mentioned principle one and principle 11. He said that the person raising the concern was exhibiting preferences, desires, um, views, opinions, personalities. So as I mentioned, it's unfortunate that this complaint ever got to the person. Um, and I think the discussion was charged and it all created a, a bunch of harm for me, you know, I think for the other person. Um, but now I, I am unclear about whether you would ever raise a concern to a Sangha member, you know, um, uh, would you ever discuss a disruption or a misuse of refuge materials with the Sangha member? Or does that violate the guiding principles? Um, and I would ask if you could comment on that for me. The guiding principles are for the groups. Uh, as a group, we agree to this principle. We practice this principle as a Sangha, as a group. Um, they're not really, um, you know, some of them are about us as individuals of like, you know, as individuals, we won't use the RR name for, you know, financial gain or, or prestige. Um, as a group, we don't have any opinions on, you know, views, opinions on other programs or religions or, um, but individuals, we have opinions. <laughs> We've got opinions on lots of things. And we have opinions on how refuge recovery should be and the decorum of, members and how, how people should read the meditations or read the guiding principles or, um, you know, you ever been in a meditation, you know, a meeting where somebody's reading it a little too fast and they're not doing the full two minute pause, you know, like, and you might have a, you might have an opinion about like, 
hey, slow down, sister, or brother, or whoever, you know. Uh, whether or not you as an individual want to talk to that other individual in the group about that is personal to you. I guess it does get a little bit different when it becomes like a group rep who's representing the group speaking to an individual in the group as though there's been a group conscience made and the group rep is delivering the group, group conscience. So that's where the group reps have to be careful. Secretaries have to be careful that their own personal views and opinions aren't being presented as though this is the group's will, right? Just because I'm the secretary and I've got my view doesn't mean I'm representing the group, uh, you know? Uh, just because I'm the group rep and I'm mad at you uh, doesn't mean I can kick you out of the meeting or, or tell you to not show up the way you're showing up, right? We could, you know, if it's egregious enough, there should be a, a um, business meeting about it and there should be a group conscience about it. And then, then the group conscience could be, and perhaps it would be the group rep or the secretary or somebody in that, uh, you know, to deliver that you know, kind of communication. But without a, um, it doesn't sound like in this situation, without a group conscience, without this being, because my sense in this case, if you had had a, I would hope actually, if you'd had a group conscience about this, uh, if you'd had a business meeting, if somebody had said, hey, like, I, I really feel like we need to talk about what just happened, uh, and you'd had a group conscience, that I'd, I'd hope that somebody in the meeting would be like, you know, if people are going to read the way they read, Let's let it go. Mm -hmm. Let's not try to police how people read, how they lead the meditation. Let's, you know, if it becomes an ongoing sort of disturbance, maybe at some point we do need to um, put in our format. Please read the, you know, guiding principles in a slow way, you know, <laughs> slow and sincere manner or whatever it is um, that's being requested for. Um, yeah, it's tricky because this was such a mild, small thing that yeah. shouldn't have continued. I, my question is really more about, you know, I know in Zoom, we have, when I became a door person, it was more, if there's a real disruption, you know, you can go ahead and move this person into the waiting room and then go message them in the waiting room and say that was disruptive. So there's an action on Zoom to say, you know, to address truly disruptive behavior, not personal preference, right? Um, but I guess, yeah, that question is, would you, so it sounds like if there was something truly disruptive, you'd take it to a business meeting and you'd say, hey, here's this disruption going on and any Sangha member could do that. And then we could talk about it as a group. Well, yes. On, on, on some level, I'm, I'm saying that like, when it's something like that, that's not truly disruptive, but it's a bit annoying, uh, uh, you know, to some people, then, you know, maybe you take it to, a, you know, let's have a business meeting and, and discuss this. If, is there anything to be done about this? Mm -hmm. If it's truly disturbing, um, you know, the meeting, then, then you should put that person in the waiting room. You know, they, if somebody, you know, I was re reported that somebody recently was doing some really sexually inappropriate sharing in a meeting and that everybody sort of um, froze and didn't say anything. 
But, you know, when I heard about it, I was like, why didn't they, you know, why didn't the secretary or the door person or somebody mute that person? Don't let them continue their whole share when they start talking about their, um, you know, not, not like sexual craving, but actually graphic about themselves right now. I'm, you know, mute. <laughs> you don't got to have the business meeting about that. This is a Zoom bomber practically, even though it's in the guise of I'm sharing, but it's inappropriate enough and offensive enough to just like mute that person, kick them out. This isn't okay. And as a Sangha, not only the secretary, the group rep, the door person, but really um, hopefully we'll get to the place where there's enough people with enough recovery that if you're in a meeting and somebody's really doing something inappropriate, you will unmute yourself and say, not cool, stop it. You know, I've been in so many 12-step meetings where somebody starts saying something really inappropriate and some old timer just, you know, stands up and says, stop it, not here. And there's a place for that. You know, there's a place for us as a community to not be so careful and so you know, that we never want to offend anybody. And so it's like, wait a minute, what you're doing is totally inappropriate in this context. Stop it. And if you have the controls, because you're the door person or mute. <laughs> so I hope that makes sense. Like sometimes it's like, ah, oh, this is, we're not sure what to do here. It's not that big of a deal. Maybe let's talk about yeah. it. Sometimes yeah. it's like, this is clearly unacceptable behavior. We need to remove this person from the meeting. Yeah. This time. Yeah, it, it, it does make sense. It became a charged situation and people felt harm and that was painful. Um, and so I wanted to explore, you know, what are the ways, the least harmful ways to manage something like, like that. You know, the one piece that I would point to is like, I did my best in the book when I was talking about community, the chapter on, um, um, you know, sangha and service and mentorship and, and how being in, in community uh, isn't all good and all pleasant. And that a lot of it is actually incredibly challenging and opportunities for compassion and opportunities for love and tolerance and forgiveness. And that whether it's the new people that are really challenging or the old people that are really challenging, it doesn't matter. But this expectation that like this kind of community, a bunch of addicts trying to help each other, it's going to be really challenging. And I'm not sure about the whole context of that, but my own sense is like this sort of uh, attitude of like, well, nobody should talk to me about that. You should just hold that in your own practice or your own whatever. Of course, no, I think we should talk to each, you know, like sometimes like, you know, maybe you talk to your mentor first before you do it or you seek some guidance, but I'm all for confronting each other and getting into it and being like, you know what, that really offended me. And then letting that person say, no, not as, not representing the group, but as an individual, you know, you as the secretary, you know, if it, you know, or just as a member of the group, you know, taking that person aside, calling them, you know, and saying, you know, that really offended me. And letting them, you know, they can say, go fuck yourself. Or they can say, oh, let me look at that. Let me look at that and let me, um, 
made, you know, I'm sorry. It wasn't my intention to offend you. I was trying to be funny. And I see that, you know, my, um, you know, the impact was it was harmful, even though I was trying to uh, blow off some steam or be funny or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it's kind of to Michelle's question about amends. And it's like, then that's the opportunity. Does that person want to make amends and be like, mm, I hear you. And uh, I want to make amends to you. Please forgive me. Or they get stuck in their view of like, I didn't do anything wrong and I don't care. It was unintentional and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's their karma. Our karma is how are we going to show up? And the person, you know, and then sometimes we're the ones being confronted and then it's our practice to be, okay, how am I going to handle this? Somebody's giving me a hard time about a way I showed up in a meeting and let me, you know, let me look at it. How am I going to handle that? Am I going to be humble and hear them? Or am I going to defend my stance? It's our practice. A lot of times people just want to hear the simple words, I hear you. When you give them some feedback. <laughs> I hear you. That's, you know, sometimes that's enough. Not even I'm sorry, just I hear you. I acknowledge what you're saying. I hear you. I don't, you know, so these are some of my, you know, kind of my views and opinions. Thank you. Was that make enough sense, Julie? Is there any? Um, it's, it's helpful. Anything else that needs to be addressed in that meeting, Sangha? Um, you know, I think as we go forward, we'll know, but I, I don't think so. I, you know, my desire is just to learn and do the right thing and have everybody feel safe. And even if the group rep, you know, did make a mistake by talk, that's okay too. It's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just hope that people will just keep keep coming and it's okay to be a little bit messy sometimes. Yeah. You know, and you know, just keep keep showing up and doing your best. That's my sense. And um, yeah. I wanted to thank thank you, Julie, for bringing that situation forward for us to all uh, hear about how that how you, how that was navigated and thank you. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was like marginally successful on all parts. I know my personal experience was like, oh, there was compassion there. And oh, I kind of lost my shit there too. <laughs> you know, so it's it's both. It's you know, it's everybody showed up as best as they could, exactly like you said. It's messy. And people showed up as, as well as they could. I mean, I wonder if like in refuge, we've set up a little bit like, well, what about right speech? And we're Buddhists, we're supposed to be. And it's like, yeah, we're Buddhists, but we're also a bunch of junkies that like, you know, or alcoholics or food addicts or sex addicts or love addicts or, you know, ego addicts or whatever. We survivors. <laughs> survivors, right? we're, all, we're all of those things too. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes because of our Buddhist teachings of like, well, right speech. Yeah. yeah 
that there's this kind of, you're not allowed to, you know, ever make any, you know, we're going to call the precepts police. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Anyways, I, I echo Vanessa's gratitude. Thanks for bringing it, bringing it up. Uh, we're just about out of time, but we'll take a final comment question from Harlan. Yeah, thanks, Noah. I just wanted to say thanks to you guys for helping us get the OKC meeting kicked off. Huge success, and I would encourage anyone on here that's thinking about starting a new community meeting in your community to definitely do so. I think the need is greater than ever, and uh, people are wanting in-person meetings for sure. Thank you. Welcome and congratulations. So glad that that new meeting is, is starting there. And um, um, and I think I've told you before, Harlan, I don't know if you know Cato, but um, you know, Refuge Recovery started in Los Angeles 10, 11 years ago, however long, long ago it is now. And there was a guy from Oklahoma uh, City who heard about it, heard me talking about it in a Dharma talk through against the stream or something before the book was even out and, and came out and said, Hey, I want to do that. And I was like, well, it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> We're like testing it out here in Los Angeles. And he's like, well, can I get the format? Like, it sounds great. And, you know, so like some of the first pre refuge refuge meetings were we're in Oklahoma. So you guys, and they, you know, and they, they, they imploded at some point with some Sangha politics. Um, and so you guys are restarting, you know, something that uh, has, a, has, a, has, has roots. Yeah. Of all the places, Oklahoma, bunch of Okies. Yeah, super addicts. <laughs> Okay, well, I think hopefully um, that was enough for tonight. Um, even though it says live on YouTube, we don't post these live to YouTube. That's just the way that we record it. And then Vanessa, who just left, um, transcribes it and, you know, is able to kind of for questions like these that are asked, like we get emails and they say, well, you know, Noah said this in the Q&A. So we use some of this as kind of archival, but we don't post it as a, as a live YouTube. So don't worry about that. If you are not asking questions, you're like, I'm not fucking doing that if it's recorded on YouTube. I should have said that before the meeting instead of after it. Very happy to see everybody. Very grateful, personally grateful that you're all um, continuing to be of service in whatever ways and participate in whatever ways in this um, movement that we have. And, and um, it's awesome. I, lo I love to, to be part of this thing with you guys. So thank you and um, see you next time. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.